Recovery is stupendous. Achievable. Hope. Freedom. 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 Empowering. It's unique to everyone. It's a journey, not a destination. Getting a new lease on life. Finding restoration after you fall down. Recovery is having the freedom to enjoy life. For me, it was finding a way to really love myself. My recovery is possible in part because of my own sense of purpose. Hello and welcome to Montana's Peer Network Spotlight Series. Thanks so much for tuning in. I have a very special guest today with me for this podcast. I have Rebecca. She is a survivor of domestic abuse and uh, she is also in recovery. And she has something just totally awesome. As soon as I heard about it, I was like, oh my gosh, we got to get her onto a podcast so we can share this with all of our members Uh, Rebecca's story um, has been made into a play, and uh, it is called More Than Bruises, Stories of Abuse and Healing, uh, based on interviews with our neighbors. And uh, this play is actually showing right now in Bozeman at The Verge. Uh, It's been running the 2nd through the 10th, so today we're recording this as the 9th. So you still would have another chance to go see it. But it's also going to show next week here in Livingston, uh, November 15th, 16th, and 17th at the Shane Center. Uh, It is free. (laughs) So another total bonus. Um, You know, so if you uh, are interested in anything you hear today in this podcast and you are in uh, Bozeman or Livingston, Definitely go check it out. Uh, The play, More Than Bruises, shares stories of women from the Gallatin Valley. Uh, The original verbatim play weaves together their stories of abuse and healing into a play that challenges us to truly listen and invites us to come together as a community. The play was uh, created solely from interviews with survivors and aims to provide a space for survivors of domestic violence to share their stories with each other and with the larger community. Uh, co-sponsoring this powerful show is Haven, the domestic violence folks, um, the Verge Theater aimed to raise awareness, stimulate dialogue about domestic violence, as well as to foster communities of support, large and small, uh, for victims and survivors. And so Rebecca, welcome to the podcast. Hi, how are you? I'm, I'm good. And I'm actually really excited to have you on because, um, this concept of having plays, having recovery stories made into plays is actually something that I'm very interested in. Um, And uh, I wrote a very short one a number of years ago that was turned into a play. And we have um, a staff member, Andy, who uh, works for a theater company. And so this is something we talk about a lot. And so uh, when Carol brought it up, I was like, oh my gosh, we have to get her on. I want to hear about it. And so uh, you came in just a few (laughs) days later and agreed, and I was ecstatic. So thanks. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's exciting on a number of fronts. We were kind of talking about this a little bit, and hopefully we can get into this in our conversation. So, um, Let's just jump right in with okay. how did you um, 
How did you get involved with it being your story being made into a play? So I, um, my domestic abuse actually took place in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, I went for help in Philadelphia and I was turned away after a two week hospital stay. Um, and then I, my drinking started to go in heavily cause I couldn't lift, I couldn't work. Um, and I was pretty much using 24 seven. Um, then I decided to call my mom and dad who I hadn't spoken to for about 20 years and asked them if I could come home to Montana. And I came home, left everything in Philadelphia, I came home with two, two suitcases. And I started counseling with Haven in April of 2016, or 2017. Okay. Um, and I started working with a counselor there and doing their support groups every Monday night, mm -hmm. um, which is a group of girls that have, and women who have all had um, different experiences and we were able to share some of our, our mm -hmm. trials and tribulations. Mm -hmm. um, and I continued to work with my um, counselor and still using and drinking, mm -hmm. um, which wasn't very much help. And then um, I shared my story with her, and then she asked me if I would be able to be a part of this. Hmm. And that was in approximately June, July, and I said, yeah. Of um, this year? Of this year, yeah. Wow. Or June or July of 2017. Uh, last year, yeah. okay. okay. And then um, I uh, ended up going to treatment in September, so I okay. hadn't followed up on anything. I went to treatment at Rocky Mountain, and... Started dealing some of my some of my issues there mm -hmm. with the domestic abuse um, and seeing how it was tied to my substance abuse um, and addiction. And then when I came back and I came into sober living here in Livingston, um, I was able to Jesse got a hold of me and she wanted to do an interview. So she came over in December, mm -hmm. and so this has been putting being put together since December. And so this is Jesse Sherman. Yes, and she's the. Um She's the woman who captured the stories and then mm -hmm. turned it into a into a screenplay. Yeah, she interviewed each one of us, and then she's the one that turned it into a screenplay. How many um, How many different women are seven? I believe. Wow. Yeah. So there's wow. seven of us that share our story. Wow. Um, a big thing for me was it was def difficult, definitely, to share my story mm -hmm. um, to relive some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. But it's so important to know that there is help out there, mm -hmm. and if the if like me being a survivor, which mm -hmm. I'm thankful for, um, I'm able to stand up and maybe help another woman know that if they do reach out, mm -hmm. you know, they can get that help. Mm -hmm. um, going through domestic abuse has, you know, shown me, like, I, I can I look back now and I was a person with no hope. This is the way my life is going to be, and I had to deal with it, and mm -hmm. that's not an option for me now, you know. Right. Um, it It's... You get almost into a hole and you can't get out of it. Mm -hmm. So, and the, you know, you definitely, um, Haven was a great support, but I believe that I had to address also my substance abuse issue as well, or I wouldn't be able to start healing because mm -hmm. I'm carrying the PTSD still from mm -hmm. the actual getting beat up. Um, and that lasted, I mean, I was on so many things to sleep mm -hmm. um, until about about four months ago, and now I'm completely awful because I got an emotional support dog. Like but so yeah, so anyway, um, mm -hmm. it's it's such a big transition, and mm -hmm. I just wish I could you know share some hope with some of them because there's so much that's misunderstood about the domestic abuse. You know, mm -hmm. um, some people think it's that's just the way that generation is, or you know, that's just right. the way that that person is, and right, they excuse it away exactly, and it's yeah. not it's not excusable at all. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it just a lot of people 
will almost second guess themselves. Well, maybe I was wrong or maybe I, you know, mm -hmm. but when you have all your ribs broken and your two lungs deflated and you're in a concussion, you're, you know, that's something that right. you couldn't help. So, right. Right. So what would you, um, so what's the message there? So you kind of, you were kind of touching on it. I mean, if, uh, we have a listener out there who's, you know, going, Oh wow, I'm relating to some of this here, Rebecca, what, what would you say, say to that individual? I would say to reach out. Um, it's the hardest thing to do is to make that first phone call. I actually called Haven when I was in Philadelphia and set up an appointment with them. So the day I flew into Bozeman, I was going to be meeting with a counselor. Wow. Um, I had no health insurance. I had no job. I had, I mean, I, my parents had no idea I was coming home such a wreck. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, when I came home, I got into Haven. And it, just a little bit of your first, your first support group. Mm -hmm. You have to be open to understand that other people are in the same situation as mm -hmm. you. It's a peer support group. Yep. Right. And when you have that group counseling that you can be able to start networking mm -hmm. and making some friends that who understand you sometimes without even saying a word. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's my domestic abuse situation pretty much put me homeless mm -hmm. because I couldn't go back to work. And then I, you know, I started abusing my substances and my drugs because I was so depressed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now I'm, I had, I pretty much left everything I had in Philadelphia to come home and get better. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, there's definitely hope, mm -hmm. um, and don't give up mm -hmm. and reach out. Yeah. You Sounds have to, like, like you you have to reach you, out, you reached out and you made that phone call. And if you don't know, like my mom was the first one who made the phone call to Haven. If you don't know how to do it, ask mm -hmm. for help. And that's the biggest thing yeah. I've had to learn this year is ask for help. Okay. How do you think your, um, substance use and the abuse how are those connected for you so my substance use started about 20 years ago when i left i left montana in 98 um i was a highly functioning addict uh, i held a job i did i didn't get in the legal trouble but and i should have been in some legal trouble but i i the way i treated myself with my substance abuse is the way i allowed people to treat me um I settled for everything. It was, I didn't have thoughts of my own. Um, I didn't have, I didn't know what I liked. I didn't like, I'm figuring all that out. I'm 14 months sober today and I'm figuring out. Congratulations. I'm, I know. I'm going to clean That's slate. Awesome. I'm trying to figure out, do I like pickles or do I not like pickles? You know, <laughs> it's a simple things in life, you know, and yeah. I don't, I don't want to yeah. ever have somebody feel so broken down like I was. Mm -hmm. um, I, I mean, I was crying every hour and I didn't know what was wrong. So I would drink, and mm -hmm. that would, you know, of course, depress me a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And then I would just be a wreck for the day, and I would be totally uncontrollable. Yeah. And then I was at the point where alcohol didn't work anymore, so I was doing about two gallons of alcohol a day. Wow. And I, yeah, I'm lucky to be alive, because I had had a couple of seizures toward the end mm -hmm. before I went to treatment. But my substance abuse clearly is a mirror of the way I would let people treat me. Mm -hmm. Um... Today, I don't do that, you know, and I may only have a little voice or I may only have a few people I can stand up to, but I have a safe group around me now mm -hmm. and I have supportive people, mm -hmm. uh, people non-supportive in my life. I just don't include them. Okay. And that's my choice and to keep my circle small. It's amazing those changes that happen for us when we get into recovery mm -hmm. and we start to see those things and have a voice and stand up for ourselves and, you know, not take any more bullshit. Right. Like... That really changes. And I've been somebody that 
you know, my family's never been about counseling or, you know, it's, oh, you'll be fine. That's just the way you are, you know, that kind of stuff. And I can't stress enough how much the groups at Southwest helped me, the groups at Haven helped me. Uh, the group therapy is the biggest thing I had to lean on because I'm much of an isolator and loner. I like to spend my time by myself, and I was definitely an isolator user and drinker. Mm-hmm. So, you know, me getting out of my comfort zone and being able to reach out to a community or to a group of people that understood me, you know, and learning to deal with those personalities and having a, having like a personality where I can say, no, I don't like you, or yes, I do like you, or no, I can't have you in my circle. You know, that's all been a learning curve this you know this year so yeah we learned boundaries Mm -hmm. yeah something we might not know right we're using yeah yeah i'm gonna give out the uh the number for haven um so it's area code 406-586-4111 and i know some of those folks there they're very nice uh people very warm and welcoming and yeah and then also when i came to Sober Living. I um, did support group with Aspen here in Livingston. Okay. So they do a, I'll, like do a support group one time a month. Mm-hmm. So it's a Monday night, and they have a location here in Livingston. Mm-hmm. Um, not at the shelter, but they do it. Right. And I did a support group for about four or five months with them. Nice. And now I, I know I see them around town, but I'm not currently, you know, going to support group with them right. anymore. But right. Right. Yeah. And then you talked about Southwest Chemical Dependency here in Livingston, which again. Uh, I know Jeannie and uh, Michelle, and yeah, no, they have a great program here. And you mentioned uh, you lived in the sober living here, right? Yep, I came, I left treatment and came right to sober living here. Yeah. in November of last year. Yeah, and I didn't know what sober living was. Mm-hmm. No idea what to expect. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say that I pushed against. I didn't want to get a job. I want to get a job. I want to do all this. But now I, I look back and I can see why. Jeannie said, no, just wait, because my job was my recovery. And if I had taken anything else and put it in a different way, I would have lost it. Yeah. Um, I still go back to Southwest right now, um, even though I've been, I was there for eight months and then I moved out. But um, I still go back to Southwest and do service for Friday relapse relapse prevention groups. Nice. So every other Friday, I'm usually in there in the morning. um, And I do a group with another person. And I constantly just, you know, keep in touch with them. And Mm -hmm. I'm very much involved, again, with... AA and NA in mm-hmm. Livingston. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, that's great. You know, the um, so I, I went to a, a, an outpatient program very similar to Southwest, um, but there was no sober living in that program. And I remember when I found out about Southwest and got to know Jeannie and learning about the program, that housing piece is so critical. Um, and I think Jeannie's created something very unique here in an outpatient style program um, to have the housing piece tied in, to give a person the stability, a place to live, it's safe, you're around other people in recovery, all of those kind of elements. Yeah, she definitely. I definitely was not expecting to have my own apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I mean, they pretty much set you up to learn how to live yeah. again. Yeah. And, you know, I, I feel like when I went... <clears throat> from my substance to my relationships and I didn't care anymore. So I didn't take care of them. Right. And so therefore right. everything was just going to, I had to relearn all that. Right. Like, right. It's okay for me to stand up and say, I don't want to hear from that person or, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I don't like this. And you know, that's something new and I'm still learning that every day, but mm-hmm. you know, I definitely learning how to live, learning my boundaries, mm-hmm. learning that I can take care of myself again. That's something that's right. so, it sounds so simple, but it is the simple things that, 
Absolutely. That, that, that puts your big, life together, yeah. Absolutely, that make a huge difference, right? I mean, it's really, I've seen a lot of people go through that program and, and have success, and I, I, you know, most outpatient programs are kind of the same, but when you add that element of the sober living to it, um, it's really a great enhancement, and it really helps people get off on the right foot, because you said it, I mean, it's like how to live sober and you're still in that very supportive environment, as opposed to having your own your own place. Um, I, I think it's crucial, uh, and I think here in Montana, in particular, we have an issue with housing to begin with. So we need more sober living, and uh, facilities need to consider having sober living and to be a part of it to help people with that. Right, and also it's um, you know I like with with this whole domestic abuse, and you know I pretty much uprooted my you know, myself from Philadelphia to here, um, sometimes you can't do that. Mm-hmm. And you have a lot, you have a lot of ties sometimes, to the same people, the mm-hmm. same friends. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you had to cut all that off just to make right. sure that you can heal yourself. Cause otherwise right. I, I feel like I would have been dead if I hadn't left Philadelphia. That was my other option was yeah. death next. So. Yeah. And you, then you traveled all the way across the country. Yes, I did. Yeah. 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 That must've been a big transition. How long had you been in Philadelphia? 20 years. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I got there when I was 18. I have a 16-year-old son back there still. Mm. So, and what's yeah. your son? Are you connected with him? What's he think about all this? Well, he's now aware of my addiction. I had given him to his dad when things started getting really bad about seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now I'm rebuilding that relationship. But that's mm-hmm. something else that, thank God he wasn't around when I had the domestic abuse because it wasn't with his father. But, okay. you know, he wasn't he wasn't there for that. And he didn't see my addiction firsthand. But now it's I have to rebuild a whole new relationship with my son mm-hmm. and he's at that 16 year old stage where he's like the one word answers you know mm-hmm. so you know mm-hmm. it's it's definitely patience on my time you know and mm-hmm. patience on his and mm-hmm. he has to build it on his terms I can't mm-hmm. push it mm-hmm. and you know that's another thing I've learned through all this is patience is something that you have to really work oh, with yes. and I'd had none of that when yeah. I was going yeah. through this I wanted immediate gratification for everything right. immediate fixes Right. Well, most of us who <laughs> have substance use issues yeah. aren't very good at patience. No. Right. So, but yeah, I mean, I definitely just want to let others know that there is help out there. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it seems like it's buried. Right. But you just have to ask. And even if you don't have the strength, go and find an agency that will help you. Everybody is there to help you. Right. Right. Absolutely. So we're, I'm going to give the number again uh, for Haven Domestic Abuse Hotline, area code 406. 406- Five eight six four one one one, and I'm here in uh, our podcast today in the Spotlight series, and we're talking about uh, a play uh, with Rebecca More Than Bruises: Stories of Abuse and Healing, based on interviews with our neighbors. Uh, Rebecca's story is featured in this play, and so. Again, uh, it's showing at the Verge in uh, Bozeman uh, tonight. So today's the ninth. So I guess it's tonight and tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah. And then next week, November 15th, 16th, and 17th, it'll be at the Shane Center. These uh, showings are free. Mm-hmm. You just have to go online and reserve a GA. That's awesome. Like, that's really super cool. Um, <clears throat> please consider going going to see this. And, uh, you know, if you're listening and uh, you've got some things going on in your life and you're relating to either the uh, domestic abuse or... 
the substance use that we're talking about, you know, reach out. And maybe it is to somebody like Southwest Chemical Dependency or Gallatin Drug and Alcohol Services um, or wherever you are listening to this. You might not be here in Montana. You know, you can do a simple Google search and yep. find those numbers. But I think the message is to reach out. To reach out and ask for help. I mean, that's the hardest thing I've had to do this year. Yeah. But it's been the most gratifying and I've gotten... So much from asking for help. You yeah. Know, you'd yeah. be a little bit, you're already in a vulnerable state. Be a vulnerable, a positive way. Mm-hmm. Ask what your options are so you know. Yeah. 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 And if you don't have the courage to do that or don't know how to do that, find a, a trusted friend or family member um, and have them, uh, maybe they have to make the first call for you. Or My mom did you. make the first call for yeah. me to Haven. So. Yeah. Because yeah. I didn't even know what, how to do it, you know? It, it's so. hard. It's really hard. And it's uh, intimidating and there's shame and there's guilt shame. and uh, a lot of things tied in, right? Mm-hmm. There's definitely shame and guilt tied in. Yeah. And, you know, it just, you have to remember it's not your fault. You have been a victim, but you don't have to play that role anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, the more of us that do share our story, um, we educate our community. And we educate our community on how to be supportive to a right. victim that's from coming from domestic abuse. Right. And hopefully to educate our kids on what it is coming up, you know, so that when they, you know, when your daughter or son is going through high school, that they're aware of this. Because I was not aware of this at all when I was in school. Sure, sure. Well, it's hardly talked about. I mean, I think in our society, um, whether it's, you know, domestic abuse, substance use, mental, mental illness, you know, uh, thoughts of suicide, any of these things, uh, you know, society... Um, really shuns people away. I mean, we, you know, we all feel bad when these things happen, but in my experience, you know, there's still a lot of discrimination that happens um, and people create excuses and there's a lot of blaming and we really have to change this. And when we put on place, this is how we change it. Mm-hmm. We right? send the message to different different age groups and you know, it's just it, another thing that really has stuck with me all year is all these organizations that I have worked with, they have so much compassion. And yes. they are not going to judge you when you come in. They're there to help. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. I know I went into it and say, oh my goodness, they're going to look at me like I'm stupid. You know, they're going to tell right. me I'm wrong. And they have so much compassion and they're willing to help and willing to listen. Right. And many of the people um, have been through your same situation. So their peers, they're, Mm -hmm. you know, they, yeah, so they get it. And I think that's so critical. I mean, Montana's peer network, I mean, we're all about peer support. And so um, I think that's really important. And I've heard it in your story, you know, getting into that peer group and being around other people who've experienced the same thing. It, it helps to, I know for me, I mean, it helped me to kind of, number one, normalize, not that what was I was experiencing was normal, but normalize it like I'm not the only person who's experiencing this. I'm, I'm yeah, in a I room. felt that way too. Did you feel like, that way? Yeah, I felt that way because I would actually be able to say, okay, well, this is my situation. This is their situation. Mm-hmm. I can have empathy. I, I could learn that to have that for somebody mm-hmm. else. And that's making me grow, you know, right. and then also understanding that I can be a support to them, even though I'm a bit broken, you know, right. And right. that, you know, right. they can be support to me, even though they're not, you know, perfect either. And yeah. that's the whole thing yeah. is we can be support to each other. And I fall back a lot right now, even though I'm not in Southwest, I fall back on a lot of my Southwest 
class group. Sure. And I, they're still in Livingston, and I fall sure. back on them for support sometimes, you know. Sure, sure. And I still go in and see my peer support, Michelle, and, you know, mm-hmm. she's, you know, I see her once a week. I stop in to make sure that I'm doing all good, you know. Yeah, Michelle's great, yeah, isn't she? she is. She's awesome. Do so. a shout-out for Michelle. Yeah. She's a great peer supporter, doing really good work. You should be really proud of yourself. Yeah, she said she's awesome. Yeah, yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah, keep it up. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that it's, uh, when you have those people around you that are supportive and they get it and they've been there, it changes it. It's just different. Mm-hmm. Just the, it um, sure is. Yeah. And you just have to, my biggest thing was letting him take care of me for a minute because I couldn't take mm-hmm. care of myself mm-hmm. and being okay and accepting that I can't do it all myself. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that we get in these situations and we are frozen in time saying, I got, I can handle this. I can handle this. I can handle this, mm-hmm. but you don't handle yourself. Right. So let somebody else help you. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, was that hard for you. To that was very hard for me Get to that place. Yeah. I was an event planner and chef and I don't, I mean, I run, ran a kitchen with like 30 or 40 people. So I, you're I like, Oh, I can take care of yeah, this. I, did t- I took care of yeah. everything, you know? And yeah. I, this is the first time I've actually had to say I needed help. And now I'm looking at my life as like, I have such, I have a gift, you know, I'm 38 now and I have my whole life ahead of me, you know, mm-hmm. and I just wish I would have found this healing before I got into it. It's such sure. a domestic abuse, but it's never too late, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Well, uh, um, as we're winding down here, I want to ask you about um, one more thing. So the, the play's coming up mm-hmm. and yes. um, so are you, are you ready? Have you seen it? I've seen the rehearsal in Bozeman, okay. but it's not, you know, I didn't see a full rehearsal. So. Right, right. Yeah. So, so. What, what, how are you feeling about that? Are you gonna, you're going to go see it next week? I've done a lot of processing um, in the last year of my situation. I mean, I faced my abuser back in Philadelphia, testified in the same room, had to look at him. Wow. Uh, that was quite hard. But um, I have almost come to a point where it's my situation and... I was strong enough to have the resources to get through it, so let me be strong enough to be a resource to somebody else. Okay. And um, my emo- my situation's always going to be emotional when I think about that. Mm-hmm. That's a sad situation mm-hmm. to be in. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I can't always focus on the negative. Mm-hmm. I have to focus on who it's going to help. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's I'm looking forward to seeing it. All right. Yeah. Well, that's... I've read the script too. Yeah. It's pretty good. So. Yeah. Yeah. Are you bringing some? support with you to the... I have brought yeah I have some friends around here and They're I think my parents yeah my parents are going to come gonna go, okay yeah. so you have some somebody yeah, there. Have yeah some support and yeah. you know definitely the recovery community here a lot of people a lot of ladies are coming out to support yeah. me too so yeah good 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 yeah no I I could see it being you know very emotional I mean I know when when my um I mean, my play wasn't personal it wasn't my story but it was hard to watch it. You know, I saw it. I, I just went to see it twice, mm-hmm. and uh, and it was easier the second time. The first time, it was like yeah, I'm gonna go multiple nerves. nights. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely going multiple yeah. nights. So you can enjoy it. Enjoy it too, right? Because yeah. the first time, I know I was pretty keyed up. I was like, oh, you know. And then the second time, I could relax a little more and just. And you know, I faced a lot when I had to go back to Philadelphia and face him. That when the DA flew me back, the courage I, that that took. I I don't know how I did it. Yeah, um, I took my mother with me, and she was with me twenty four seven. But uh, yeah, I went back and I testified against them, and that's yeah. you know something that was hard, mm-hmm. but it needed to be done, mm-hmm. and that was like closure for me. So wow. wow. 
Well, it's really amazing, and uh, as we wind down here, it's the play is called More Than Bruises, Stories of Abuse and Healing, based on interviews with our neighbors. More Than Bruises shares the stories of women from the Gallatin Valley. The original verbatim play weaves together their stories of abuse and healing into a play that challenges us to truly listen, invites us to come together as a community. It sounds wonderful. I'm thrilled that this is happening again. Uh, this is November 9th and 10th in Bozeman at The Verge, November 15th, 16th, and 17th at the Shane Center, and it's free, folks. So, like, if you're listening, get out there and go check it out. Like, this is a great message, and uh, and it's got to be great, too, uh, just even if you're not in the recovery community or, you know, haven't been a survivor of domestic abuse, I mean, just some education, like, to raise your awareness level, you know, Right, definitely raise your awareness and, you know, get involved with some of the stuff that does support our domestic abuse survivors. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. Haven does has a lot of stuff going on just then right. from just groups, but they have like a 5K, you know. Right, fundraisers, yeah. right, right. You tied in and that's, exactly. you know, this is something that is going to unfortunately always happen in this world, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's education and support and growing right. these, you know, growing these support organizations that we can reach out to right in our communities Mm -hmm. and how we can support them um and so yeah if you're touched by this please get involved donate money um that would be great so rebecca i want to say thank you for the podcast i mean this has been great and uh thanks for opening up and bigger thank you for sharing your story and allowing it to be in a play because that takes a lot of courage it does not everybody wants to do your wants to do their story it does and you know know, i didn't realize I did the interview and I didn't, I didn't think anything was going to come like of it. Yeah. And then I got a call in like February when I was back there saying she had to finish a script. And then, so it's been, it's been a process, you know, but um, yeah, I'm definitely very, very excited. Well, that's great. And thank you so much. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Uh, This has been a spotlight series from Montana's peer network podcast. Please check us out, whether you're on iTunes there or SoundCloud Click on our other podcasts and uh, check them out. And if you're listening and you have something going on like this, as exciting as a play, or maybe it's a new program, uh, send us a line, jim at mtpeernetwork.org. We'd love to have you on to talk about what you're doing in your community. The Spotlight Series is made for people like Rebecca who are making a difference and really standing above the rest of the recovery community crowd doing something really very impressive and I encourage you to go see it. So Rebecca, thank you again. No problem. Thanks for having me. uh, Thanks for all of you for tuning in. We'll we'll listen, listen in next time. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works, recovery is possible. Recovery is possible. (laughs) Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery is possible.